0: Hey everyone, this is Beyond the Baseline, Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast, and it is brought to you by SeatGeek. Whether you're looking to buy tickets, sell tickets, or can't use tickets, check out SeatGeek, the smartest way to vend your tickets and see your favorite sports teams. Download the SeatGeek app, enter our code BEYOND, get 20 bucks off your first purchase. We're also sponsored by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football. Season-long fantasy is long over, but on FanDuel you can still play for real cash all the way up to the Super Bowl, Enter my code beyond at fanduel.com play a risk free tournament for up to 10 bucks.
1: I think the issue that names have been uh, put up multiple times is still, you know, a bit like when people mention about um, suspicious betting patterns. It's clearly a red flag, but the key point that we need to make here is there is information intelligence um and you can gather all of that but ultimately it comes down to evidence and linking the player with the corrupter
0: hey everyone john wertheim here it's this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast we're doing this from the 2016 Australian Open In Melbourne, Serena Williams looks strong through two matches, so does Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal has been eliminated, so has Venus Williams, and all of these results have taken a back seat. For the first three days anyway, this tournament story has really been the match-fixing scandal, the reports of irregular betting patterns that the BBC and BuzzFeed came out with. On the eve of the tournament, it's really taken over and a lot to be learned, a lot we still need to know, but by any definition, this is a scandal. I thought we would start here this week, do something a little different. Instead of talking about tennis, let's talk match fixing a bit. Chris Kermode, head of the ATP, obviously very much in the middle of this, and he was kind enough to spare 15 minutes or so to take some questions from me. And next week, hopefully, we'll get back to tennis and a tournament update, but for this week's podcast... We're going to talk about this match-fixing scandal and throw some questions at Chris Kermode. We'll bring him in now. Thanks, Chris, first for doing this, especially under these circumstances. You and I are talking on a Wednesday. Where do things stand right now, Wednesday Australia time? Where do things stand now? So we, we've obviously had um, huge media interest in the, in, the, in this story.
1: Um, you know, just before a, a grand slam at the start of the season, um, you know, this has obviously become... Big newsworthy, you know, globally, um, and uh, you know, we've, there's lots of accusations uh, about match fixing, um, and I think there are two, you know, there are two issues here. There's um, there's the issue of uh, you know, the sort of a, a potentially corruption in the governing bodies of tennis um, and suppressing evidence, um, and that's that's one issue, uh, and then there's the issue of is there actually um, you know corruption within the sport there were there were two sure. two, Classic two sides.
0: scandal yeah. act and yeah. act and cover up allegations
1: so um you know in the first you know the first instance in in terms of suppression of evidence you know that is you know I categorically deny that on on behalf of all of the tennis governing bodies and um you know i think in 2008 all the governing bodies got together. You know, that's the Women's Tennis Association, the International Tennis Federation, the, the four Grand Slams and the ATP, got together to form the Tennis Integrity Unit. And it really sort of acknowledges that there was awareness that, that you know, there is a, you know, with all sport and tennis as well as, as other sports, is, you know, there's a potential risk of corruption and match-fixing. So, you know, we did acknowledge that. Uh, formed, formed the unit in two thousand and eight, um, and you know it 's an independent unit that goes out to investigate um, you know, all you know, any potential uh, information that 's given intelligence uh, and that 's whether anecdotal or factual whatever it is does get investigated um, and so the idea that sort of evidence sat with the tennis integrity unit and not been acted upon um, you know, I vehemently deny. Um, you then get into the next question: is you know how effective yeah, is it, the it, t- is t- is t- it working? T- you know, is it working? Um, and you know that's one issue. And then the other one, so the third element is you know, do I believe that you know that there is. Uh, you know that it's widespread in the sport so you know the first one I've sort of answered in right. and I vehemently deny that there's any suppression and I think which we, we are just in a sort of toxic environment of um, you know it's a big story we've had scandals obviously with FIFA and with um, athletics recently and, and cycling things so it, it's a current story and I can understand why that's um, you know become interesting but I, I, you know, flatly deny any rumours of so that. Let's, so let's go back to so, the other two questions. I mean, it's- so the two questions of do I think it's widespread in the sport? Uh, right. No, I don't. Um, you know, have there been examples um, uh, of this? Yes, um, which is why the tennis integrity unit has actually had eighteen convictions and, and six life bans. Um, so they have acted upon it, but I think with the scale of how many tennis matches there are, of which there are over 100,000 every a year, year um, you know, th- this is really a very, very small, you know, handful of cases. Um, but that means that we still can't be complacent, um, and we have to be incredibly vigilant going forward that this stays at that, you know, stays at that and tries to er- eradicate it totally from the sport. Um, but but do, you think, you think,
0: do you think the TIU is, I mean, when people say n- names have resurfaced 10, 12, 14 times. Mm-hmm. Players have come up in these irregular patterns multiple, multiple yep. times. We haven't had any top-level players sanctioned. Do you, yep. you think the CIU is
1: working? I think the, um, the issue that names have been uh, put up multiple times is still you know, a bit like when people mention about um, suspicious betting patterns. Um, you know, It's clearly a red flag. Now, if names have been mentioned over and over again... Um, then, you know, the tennis integrity unit will be investigating them. But the key point that we need to make here is there is information, intelligence, um, and you can gather all of that, but ultimately it comes down to evidence and linking the player with the corruptor. And that's the key on all this is, you know, unless you have that, you can have a huge amount of information. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean we can act upon it. And that's the challenge going forward, is making that connection.
0: Well, to, to help that connection, would more funding would certainly help. Is the ATP willing to fund the TIU to a greater extent than it is right now?
1: Uh, absolutely I mean there's no um, you know the other point to make is this um, you know the tennis integrity unit is funded by as I said seven bodies of which the ATP is one and there has never been a case where Nigel Willerton who you know who is in charge of the tennis integrity unit if he's ever asked for extra funds we have always given it and will continue to do that now you know I think um, you know we, we are constantly reviewing the whole program. I mean, it's an ongoing review, sure. um, and we meet regularly throughout the year. And, um, you know, we'll probably do a major review and see, you know, how it can w- work as effectively as it should be.
0: Roger Federer says, name names. It's very hard to address this abstractly when we don't know the principles, we don't know the scope. Mm-hmm. Name the names. So, response to that.
1: so from, uh, I think he was, refer- he was actually directing that at uh, the BBC and BuzzFeed. Who, who, no, who I don't really think it applies. And, mm-hmm. well, the, uh, I think, it, uh, I genuinely think that it was directed at there to go, you know, if you've got, because they implied they have evidence of this. Um, and, you know, what I've contested all the time is I think you have a lot of information which is also probably the same information we have but it still needs to make that connection that turns into evidence. Now from uh, from a, a tennis perspective what I don't want to do is start releasing names of every every person that's investigated because immediately you know once those names are out there and it can be based on almost nothing but if someone reports any you know anecdotal you know, suggestion of wrongdoing, that match will get uh, investigated. If we release those names, there may be zero substance in it, but people will say there's no smoke without fire and there's then there's taint.
0: The NFL season is, of course, winding down, winnowing the field. We are fast approaching the Super Bowl. That does not mean though, Jamie Lasanti... That fantasy football season is over. You can play on FanDuel.com all the way through the Super Bowl, and here's how you're going to do it. You're going to go to FanDuel.com. You are going to click the code Beyond, and you're going to get in your first tournament risk-free up to ten bucks. What does that mean? If you win, keep the money. If you lose, they will refund ten bucks back into your account. That sounds like a great deal. FanDuel is the best place for one week fantasy football. Building a team is easy. It's fun. Fees start as low as just a dollar again as we head toward the super bowl there is still fantasy money out there on the table waiting to be won you should be the one to win it fanduel.com download the code beyond 10 bucks keep it it's yours if you win it goes back in your account if you do not win that sounds like a good deal fanduel.com check it out today Talking to, to players and agents, one thing that's that's come up is that there's an organized crime element to this. This is not two guys in a basement who's trying trying to make some money. This is not courtsiders trying to take advantage of a time lapse. These are crime syndicates. Is there a fear of violence, threats, duress for these
1: athletes? I, I, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've read some quotes, I mean, you know, I speak to the players, you know. I'll, See on a regular basis. We had a, a mandatory player meeting where every single player that competed in the Australian Open attended. You know, and we were talking about this. And you know, there, there wasn't. No one suggested to me that there's been a, any threats of violence or anything. Um, you know, is there a potential for that? <clears throat> you know, quite possibly. But um, there's been no. I mean, no one has come to me and said that.
0: So it seems to me a, bit, a big issue here is economics and incentives and we're talking about matches where there's very little in the way of prize money, and yet there's a lot of betting activity. Has the ATP explored saying, look, for example, matches under 250 level events, we're not going to permit wagering. It seems to me the the economics incentives are really working against tennis here, where there's a lot of money being bet, a lot of incentive to be corrupt, and not a lot of incentive in terms of prize money. Could the ATP say, look, betting's legal. We're not going to say you can't bet on the Australian Open, but the Tallahassee Challenger, we can't have wagering going on.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I would <coughs> I, again. I would throw that into the whole review process, and it's something we should look at. And I don't know, uh, you know, off, offhand whether you can actually control that. I don't know um, that. Um, but again, I think it's something you know to be looked at. Um, but ultimately, we, we come down to players making the choice of stepping, the, you know, stepping across the line into criminality um, you know, is, it, is there more incentive at a lower level um, to do that where you're playing challenges um, you know just the economics as you say would probably be more likely um, and it's something which is why we've thrown so much more in education of players at that age group sort of 15, 16, 17 to make them aware and the damage to themselves
0: and the sport going forward. We are recording this at the Australian Open. That reminds us how much fun it is and how different it is to attend a live event rather than watch it on TV. There is really nothing like being there. And here's how you're going to be there. At the NBA, at the NHL, if you're lucky enough to live in relevant markets, even potentially NFL playoff games, you're going to go to SeatGeek. You are going to download the app, and you're going to realize what a great deal they have. Never too late to get a ticket, and now you get 20 bucks back. Download the app. Use the code BEYOND, and they will refund that check via PayPal or regular check for your first purchase. SeatGeek pulls in all the ticket-buying options from other sites. It puts it in one place. The Kayak for event tickets, we keep calling it. They know the fair market value. They will help you find the best deals. Also, if you have tickets you can't use, SeatGeek will help you unload them, get some money, and make sure another fan sits in your seat. They have the lowest fees of any site. Good deal all around, Jamie Lasanti. Download the app, enter the code BEYOND. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks once you've made your first purchase for the NFL games, for the NBA, concerts, hockey, SeatGeek app. Download it now. Get 20 bucks back. Davidenko was 2007, that obviously gave rise to the tennis integrity unit. This is not a new issue in tennis, I mean I don't think anyone's blindsided by the fact that they're match fixing allegations and irregular betting patterns. Are you surprised? how much sort of legs this scandal seems seems to have?
1: I think, yeah, I mean, it sort of, in, in fact, some people, you know, rang from London uh, sort of who, who aren't really involved in tennis, you know, said to me, is, is this story really based on something, you know, one match that happened 10 years ago? Um, and, you know, sadly it, it is, but, um, you know, it, it, it's caused, a, a, you know, a, a lot of interest. Um, and it has. This is about the fourth time that particular match has been looked at, and I, you know, don't know how many times people can say the same thing that there, you know, that there was a full investigation um, by a unit from the British Horse Racing Authority, you know, and they concluded right at the end there was insufficient evidence. I mean, that was that was their report. Um, <clears throat> but I think you know, it's as I said, now it becomes it's joined that this conversation about integrity of sport
0: across a you know wider wider group of sports is there any reason for for optimism in the sense that this has finally came this is sort of an open secret everyone's heard whispers i mean I, I get an email a month saying at so-and-so tournament there were some very suspicious betting patterns you should look into it i mean this is again i don't, I don't feel like tennis has been blindsided here any any positive any optimism in the sense that now this is out in the open
1: yeah I, you know i think all this stuff you know there, there is a positive element to it and that is that you know everybody is looking closely at this we, you know the tennis governing bodies have been on top of this um, and the question will be you know can we do more Coming, yeah I mean great the more you know the more we can throw at this the better um, you know the, the more open we can be about how this works the better um, because you know there is you know it's a public confidence issue which um, you know I've gone on record you know I have sort of no qualms in saying that this sport, um, you know, is full of integrity by the majority of players. And it's just wheedling out the very, very small uh, minority that are going to be tempted by you, this. You think this is a
0: very, very... Even though we've heard, you know, eight of the 50, top 50 players in the singles yep. drawn Grand Slam champions, you, you're under the impression I, I, this is a small, small minority and this is mostly challenger level events?
1: Well, I think, you know, will there be examples on the tour? There may be. You know, I'm not at liberty to say. I mean, we haven't, you know, until someone is proven guilty. But I think that um, just the sheer quantity of content that we have, which is over 100,000 matches in the year, you know, 1,500 tournaments in the year. You know, um, it was interesting, even in the, in, the, in the BuzzFeed article, Richard Ings said, you know, implied that there was a huge amount of players. And you said, you know, in my time, maybe you know, four or five players came up. Well, in, still four or five players too much, but in right. the scheme of 1,000... Well, I mean, I don't know
0: Richard Ings... I mean, it seems to me this device that you and I are staring at right now, it seems like the, the smartphone and digital technology is really what's driving this. I mean, this is, this is a problem that probably didn't exist 10, 15 years ago.
1: In, in what way? Sorry.
0: Well, just that all of this is this is digital. Tennis does not have this rich gambling history in the way horse racing does. This is all fairly recent, and, and it's all it's a global sport, and you can do this on your phone now. And yep. betting is legal in countries the way it <clears throat> wasn't ten, 15 years ago. A lot of this this is obviously online we're not talking about yeah. a guy going down the lab brooks this is all being done on mobile devices right
1: yeah no totally so I think you know and again one of the um, you know when stories break like this there's the, the merging of um, you know everyone can get very moral about betting and you know as, as you stated betting in many countries around the world is not only a legal pastime it's actually a pastime that's enjoyed by hundreds of thousands of people um, and you know and, uh, and that's not the issue the issue is corruption in it um, and, you know, we are addressing
0: that um, constantly. So finally, what are you telling fans? I mean, obviously, you know, I, I just saw before I walked up the stairs with you that you know, Parliament is having an inquiry, front page of the New York Daily News. I mean, clearly, this is a story that has legs. Um, from outside of the tennis community? I mean, what are you telling fans right now? What's your, what's your concern level? What's going to happen in the next 90 days? I mean, What are you telling your constituents? Well, I think at the, you know, at the moment, this,
1: the, you know, as I said, this is sort of uh, a, a very uh, timely, flavorsome uh, story. Um, we will address every single allegation. Uh, we will be open in, as, as to, you know, how we address those going forward. Um, you know, any, we will, you know, be doing this review. It will be very open and public. Um, and I think just to get rid of this claim of, you know, that there is th- the claim of there's a collusion with governing bodies to suppress evidence, we just will, will clearly demonstrate that is not the case. We will also, uh, you know, go about um, explaining how the tennis integrity unit works clearer. I think that messaging is very clear. Um, but, you know, I'm fully confident um, that, you know, what the public see, what the fans see... Um, you know, at the top levels of our sport, uh, is real. I mean, because I believe these, these matches. we in
0: a room, and there are matches going on on monitors. You have, you have no doubt this is authentic competition we're watching.
1: No doubt whatsoever. Um, and if you speak to you know the you know all the players that I've spoken to, you know it's the vast majority of them. Um, you know, you only have to see the intensity and the dynamism in these matches. Uh, you know.
0: These guys are probably the most competitive people that I've ever met. Not how you probably envision the first Grand Slam of the year beginning, but I appreciate you taking the time. No, no, pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. All right, everyone, that was Chris Kermode of the ATP. Next week, hopefully, we'll get back to talking about tennis and match results, but this week, it seemed only fitting that we address this match-fixing scandal. A lot left to be learned, a lot of scope and scale yet to be determined. By the end of the week, we're expected to know a little bit more, but still obviously a lot more questions than answers, both about the tennis integrity unit, about some of these players' names that have been floating out there. A question I I wish I'd asked Chris Kermode candidly is whether he thinks it sends the right message when the ATP takes sponsorship money from betting companies at the same time that match fixing is, is such an issue. On the other hand, In fairness, it is these betting companies that are cooperating and turning over their records. The Davidenko case, for example, was brought to everyone's attention because of Betfair, something to consider. Again, I think economics is a huge part of this discussion, that at the lower-level events, there's very little in the way of prize money and a lot of money being wagered. That is a recipe for disaster. But this story, again, has really been the story of the 2016 Australian Open, at least for the first 72 hours, and I thought we'd do something a little different and talk gambling, talk about this, this scandal instead of addressing the matches. We'll still try to do a daily column on SI.com. We'll do a tennis-themed podcast next week, but that's all for now. I'm John Wertheim. Enjoy the Tennis Everyone 2016 Australian Open. See you next week.